0: Hey, welcome to the Lyric House Church podcast. Our mission is to host a house for him. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our live service. Make sure to check out our Facebook page for details about upcoming events and information on our small groups that meet throughout the week. Thank you for being part of our broader community, and we hope you enjoy this podcast.
1: It's okay to just be quiet for a while, you know? I'm excited to hear the word that Tiffany has for us this morning. We've been bouncing things off of each other all week, and I know we were going to do this together, but I really just felt like the Lord was like, no, I'm going to sit on the front row. (laughs)
2: Oh, man, that was so good. Thanks, guys. You guys have no idea how hard it is to like to to worship and then have to do something, you know, like trying to get it together here. Um, okay, so, uh, I had this, I've had something just kind of stirring and burning in me for a couple weeks, and, um, every year, I come to the Lord and just ask him, like, what, what does he have for us this year? Every year, like, we've been doing this so long or something. <laughs> it's funny. That was funny, guys. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Um... Sit down, Ben. Sit down. And so I've just been asking. Him, I've been talking to him. What do you? What do you? What do you want to do this lo- this year, Lord? Um, and I, I'm kind of, um, kind of a scheduler, loosely. Not super like ridiculous about it. But sometimes, like each year, I'll kind of put, you know, January, February, and I'll kind of like organize the months. So that I can help you guys understand like what this year is going to look like. What, we're, what, we're gon- what are we going to be doing? What is this, when is VBS going to be? Are we going to go on a missions trip? Are we going to go to family camp? What does it look like? And I try to kind of get this understanding. And I've been having a blank all for the last month, the last couple weeks. And finally I was like, okay, Lord, we, we're going to have to do something here. we gotta, we got to talk about this. And I just really heard this. I heard, from, I heard him speak. I heard him speak this. I heard him say, "I want you to be expectant, but I want you to come with no expectation." I'm like, well, so that didn't answer my question. <laughs> but it did, right? Completely answered everything I had been asking and everything that I had been expecting him to tell me. See, I think that we we have this we do this thing as Christians, we get super spiritual, and we, and I'm a, I love lists, guys, don't get me wrong, Jason and I always talk about, like, what do you want, like, what are you praying for, write it out, believe God for it, I love that, I'm not saying don't do that, but what we do with that is we come up with this list, we write it down, or we have this, this idea of what we call prayer, because we're Christians, so we're spiritual, right, and we, we tell the Lord our wants and our desires and what we expect of him. And when it doesn't happen the way that we wanted it to, or just even at all, then we get disappointed. And we see that sometimes you see people get mad at God. And the more mature walk, you see people just say things like, well, that just, maybe I heard him wrong, or maybe, maybe that just, it wasn't it yet. But we had this expectation that God had to answer our prayer the way that we wanted him to in the time frame that we wanted him to do it. You guys tracking with me? And it really just kind of, really just kind of stir, started to stir something inside of me. And I remember um, going back and thinking about all the times that I've asked the Lord for something, and I seen it or I didn't see it. And I remember at a time that, and I know that we talk about this a lot because it's part of our, a huge part of our testimony. But I remember when the Lord had told us that we would have trust, and just keep talking. And um, we were, we, it seemed crazy at the time. It seemed like this radical encounter that we were, we were walking through and and learning, and it was. And I remember um, for you guys that don't know. It's a long story. I'm not going into it like Jason always tries to make me. But um, we couldn't have any more babies after Josiah, and then the Lord told us in a dream that we would have trust for a year or so. And um, so we went through this process, and um, I actually got pregnant. And I remember thinking, okay, here it is. This is what the Lord said. This is what he spoke. This is what's happening. um, I'm pregnant. This is exactly what uh, he had said would happen. And then I actually lost the baby. And I remember not being super, super, like, hear me out. I remember not being, like, just absolutely heartbroken that I lost the baby. But I remember being like, what? That, that just, That's not what you said, God. Like, you said to do this, to do this, to do this, and then we would have trust. And I don't understand what... Like, why are we walking through this? Is, is this is what's going to happen every time? Like, the doctors had said you had an 80%, like, there's an 80% chance that you won't be able to have her, so good luck. And I started to take that mindset on, or like, there's only a 20% chance, God, what was I wrong? Did I, what did we do? What did we do? <laughs> like, what did we tell everybody? What is happening? And I, I sat in this place of, and I, I couldn't tell anybody what's happening, because I didn't share with anybody that I was pregnant yet. How many, you guys... How we do that very often as women. We get pregnant and then we're like, I'm gonna keep it to myself. Why do we keep it to ourselves? Somebody tell me. Because what? In case something happens, right? In case something happens. In case what'd you say? Well that's true. <laughs> Eventually they figure it out, but <laughs> Okay guys, this is why. <laughs> anyway. Um We don't say anything because of just in case if something happens. And so I remember I didn't say anything in case something happened because I had an expectation that something might. And so I didn't have anybody to... To, to talk to, I didn't have anybody to say this is what's happening. I didn't have anyone to really bounce it off of, and this is also a time where we didn't have any friends anyway, because when we stopped partying and living like that, we didn't have anybody. We had Tim and Melissa. I don't even know. Do you guys know? Did you know that we lost the baby? Surprise. Anyway, it was, um, <laughs> it was, it was. Um, but I said I clear. I cleaned it up. <laughs> Would it this is what happens when the children are in here. Um, so now I lost my train of thought. Why don't you just tell us the rest? N- anyway. Um, so we <laughs> were walking through this, and I remember the Lord saying, just comforting me one, uh, one moment, and he was like, that wasn't trust. And I thought, okay, I think, I think he meant two things from it. Obviously, it wasn't trust that we lost. But he was bringing me this into this time in my history of teaching me what trust looked like, what it meant to trust him beyond circumstances. And that was what he was trying to, that's what he was trying to speak to me. That's what he was trying to show me. That's what he was trying to prove to me, is if you're feeling like this beyond what you see in your circumstances, that's not quite yet what I want you to learn. I have something more for you. That wasn't trusting him. And so we went through that season and we got pregnant with trust, and I immediately told everybody because um, I wasn't going to walk like that anymore. We believed him, we believed he is who he said he was. We believed in his promise, and we had we had trust. Thanks, Lord. Okay, that's a little bit that's enough. And this is <laughs> what we have to do with. anyway um, it was this deep history with the Lord that we, that we obtained in this manner of walking with him and learning with him and finding out what it really meant that when God speaks something, it's not always peaches and rainbows and almonds, right? Like it's not always everything that we imagined it would be, but it's beautiful. And we're so thankful for, for the trust that we have and what she's going to do. And we're so thankful for all of our kids and all of their testimonies. But I want to read this, Romans 5, 1. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in, hi- in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and co- character produces And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. And what he's teaching us, and even in times of trouble, even in times of us not seeing what we expected, we have this confident hope in who Christ is. But I feel like what happens, and this is kind of what's been stirring a little bit since the Lord said that. He said, I want you I want you to be expectant, but not have an expectation. And what I heard next was this sh- just, and I, and I really feel like it's for somebody today that we constantly, like we ask the Lord, we come to the Lord in this expectancy, but then what happens when we don't see it ov- over time, we start to wait for the other shoe to drop. Do you guys know what that means? When I said it to Jason, he was like, oh, oh, I'm not tracking with you. Yeah. Somebody tell me, what does it mean when that when the other sh- when we're waiting for the other shoe to drop? The next bad thing to happen. We stand in this posture of like, okay, God, I, I trust you. I, I mean, I, I know that you're for me, but I'm just kind of waiting for this to happen. And I feel like there's been so many people in here that the Lord is saying, you've, you, you aren't actually trusting me. You're waiting for something bad to happen. You're waiting for the next shoe to drop. You're waiting for someone else to get sick. You're waiting for um, the bills not to get paid again. You're waiting for somebody else to, to come along and be mad at you. And the Lord is trying to, he's wanting to get that out of us. He's saying, listen, listen. You have this expectation that I didn't ask you to have. In this season, he's wanting to teach us this, this joy that supersedes circumstance. And we talk about it and we sing about it, but I don't think that we actually understand what that means. That means, could I have joy in the midst of losing a baby? It was hard. It was hard, I think, those that maybe, I mean, I didn't struggle with infertility, so it's such a long story, and maybe there's people that are, and so you can kind of understand this, like, is this ever going to happen? But for me, it was this promise from God that I, I trusted him. If this didn't happen, I didn't, I didn't know who he was then. And he was trying to teach me that, that, yes, I heard his voice, but I had to trust him beyond what my circumstance showed me. And I haven't figured it all out, guys. Like, I mean, there's definitely still times that I'm like, oh, God, did you, is that what you said? Is that, wh- is that what we're doing? But it taught me something that nobody can ever take away from me, that no circumstance that, ever can, that can ever be taken away. And I want to share this with you in, in um, Luke, beginning of Luke, uh, Luke 7. Um, if you guys want to go there, you can. It's Luke seven 18. I'm going to show you something. Oh, man. This had <coughs> me so messed up, didn't it, babe? I've not been okay. Not been okay. You guys love the Bible? Me too. Because it's Jesus, right? You guys there? 718, yep. Say yep if you're there. Yep. Great. Um, if you're on your phone, it didn't count to say yep first. so That's cheating. But if you actually have your Bible and you're there, say yep. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <No> <laughs> thank you. Okay, in seven, and I'm not going to read it all, um, I'm not going to read every, every um, scripture here or every word here, but I'm just going to kind of walk you guys through it. So John the Baptist, raise your hand if you know John the Baptist. Yep, we know John the Baptist. John the Baptist was John's cousin, Right? He was a man that was born to pave the way for this Messiah, for Christ. He was a man that dedicated his life to this one thing; nothing else was more important than than preparing a way for the Messiah. He led led this life of fasting and um, obedience and uh, loneliness, which I don't know if he thought it was lonely, but. He he didn't surround himself with people so that he could focus. Like, he really, really knew what it meant to die to the flesh and, and prepare his life, his flesh, for Christ to come. And it happened. And Christ came. Imagine, just imagine, guys, for a moment that you've lived your whole life waiting for this one thing, and Jesus comes and you see him. And here he is, and, and just this, like, amazing season of his life where the Messiah is here and so he has this this idea of what's coming and he's so excited and then he ends up going to jail bro that's not fair that's not the way it was supposed to be but here we are he's in jail and John although he had already seen and heard because they had came and told him right all of the the signs and wonders that Jesus was was doing and walking in. He'd seen him with his own eyes, and he said, guys, he told his disciples, guys, would you guys go talk to Jesus and ask him if, um, if he's the one or if there's someone else to come? So they did. They found Jesus, and they asked him. They said, Jesus, um, we're coming from John, and John wants to know, are you the one or is there somebody else? How do you think Jesus felt? What would it feel like for for someone that's been paving the way, and you thought you thought he knew, you thought he understood, you thought that he was all into, and he says, uh, "Like I, I can't understand because I'm the circumstance of me being in jail doesn't make any sense." So, are you sure? Or Is it you? And Jesus replies, because he's such a man of honor, he says, "Well." The sick are being healed and the lepers are being cleansed and uh, cleansed and the blind are seeing and the dead are being raised and the, the poor are hearing the gospel. But then he says this, and this is what wrecked me. What was it? Someone want coffee or was it wind? Come on in. There's coffee. Uh, he says this. Luke seven twenty three is where I'm at. He says, I'm blessed is the one who is not offended over me. I feel like I've read that so many times. And I read it, and I read it, and I didn't get it. The Passion says, and tell John these words, the blessing of heaven comes upon those who never lose their faith in me, no matter what happens. See, John had this expectation of Jesus much like every, all of the other Jews did, much like all of the other people did when the Messiah was to come, that it would be this political rule that they would have this king that would take over and, and put the Romans in their place and, and, every, and they would take charge and they would be in con- this, um, this leadership and this headship and they would be the ones to, to take their land back and they, um, they would have glory through it on earth. And John had this expectation that Jesus would do that for him. The one that knew him, the one that paved the way, the one that led his his entire life was for this one thing. And even John had this expectation of Jesus. And so the disciples went back, and they told him what Jesus said. And I wondered if in that moment, when they said, Jesus said, blessed is the one who's not offended over me. wonder if John knew in that moment he was going to die. wonder if he realized, oh, I had this expectation that he never asked me to have. And my, my coming of expectancy, I, I just expected that's who he was. I wonder if it was in that moment. Maybe not. Maybe it was the moment that Jesus entered heaven, and he saw him. Did they have a conversation? Did did Jesus say, John, I died much like you did? But you know what John never heard Jesus say? In 27, 28, Jesus said, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. See, Jesus didn't come for comfort. He didn't come so that we could have all of our prayers answered. He's not a genie in a bottle. We don't get to have three wishes and say, Jesus, this is what I want, and this is what we're going to do. And if you don't do it, then I'm going to be mad at you. Or if you don't do it, then I'm going to make up an excuse as to why you didn't do it. Jesus came to to turn it upside down, guys. Like, that's what he was here for. He had so much, there was so much more. There was an idea of what's on earth doesn't matter, but what's to come is what I'm bringing you to. There was this this longing in him to restore what the Father created, but we couldn't see it. They didn't see it. They didn't know. They didn't understand. And I feel like that's where, that's when I ask the Lord, what does this year look like? That's what I hear him saying. Guys, be expectant. I don't know if he's coming. I'm not trying to say he's coming back. That's not what I'm saying. That would be really cool. I'm all in. I don't have some big, great, like, prophetic word of what the world is going to do, and I don't have this big thing to say that this is going to happen or that's going to happen. All I know is that God is saying to be expectant, but don't put him in a box. Because here's the funny thing is, is we think that we, like, We can do our religious duties and and we can, like, walk by our cultures and try to put God in a box, but he doesn't actually go in the box. We do. And so we get stuck in the box and we keep ourselves there with this expectation. But Jesus isn't actually in a box. We can't put him there. And that's what the Lord is saying is this is the hour. This is what I want you to do is I want you to be expectant. Oh, hold on, but don't have any expectations. I don't know about you guys, but that makes me really excited. That means that anything that I could think or imagine or pray is going to be way better. And it's just—it's truly this heart posture of God. Have your way. We say it, we sing it, but we get to actually mean it. Do we? Do we get to follow a God that doesn't measure up to our expectation? Yikes. Make some religious people mad. That's kind of what we're here for. We get to follow a God that doesn't live up to our expectation. We get to, he gets to measure up to his own. Are you guys good? All right, we're going to go, we're going to keep going to Luke 24, 13. Keep heading down. The Gospel of Luke. 24. Luke 24. I do Luke, the Dr. Luke. <coughs> Let's see what Luke is saying here. Ah, the road to Emmaus. I'm going to actually read this. Let me read this. Say amen when you're there. There's three of you. Four. Twenty four Luke, twenty four, thirteen, right? Yep. Hey, I'm so glad you guys are here. I thought you weren't supposed to be here. Oh, just so you can come. That was so sweet of you. You went and drove and dropped in King? You're amazing. Justin says, "Thanks, babe, for doing that." Yep. Okay, <laughs> we're good. All right, the road to Emmaus. <sighs> Thirteen says, "The very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem." Let me give you some backstory here. We have two men traveling down a road. This is the about three. This was three days after Jesus was crucified. This was probably after Passover, where um, the third day had, has come and gone, almost, and they're walking away from Jerusalem into Emmaus, okay? Two dudes hanging out, talking about stuff. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus drew near and went with them. So they're hanging out, they're walking. Jesus is like, oh, hey, guys, what's going on? And they said, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So they didn't know it was Jesus. And he said to them, what is this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood up and looked sad. So Jesus, the king of kings, the one who put every star in the sky, is asking them what they're talking about. Do you think he knew? Uh, Yeah, he knew what they were talking about. He's just kind of funny. He's like, what are you guys guys talking about? And then they got sad. They're sad, you know, and they're like, bro. It's not what they said. But they said, bro, how do you not know? Where have you been, dude? Like, don't you know everything that's been happening? Like, the days passed. I mean, goodness, we had this guy, this prophet, this really cool prophet guy from Nazareth, and he came, and we thought he was it, and he wasn't. And the high priest and the rulers de- declared that he had to be crucified. That's what it says, believe me. Okay, so we're going on here to 21, and then he, and they're talking and they're telling all of these details about why they're so sad, and then they say this but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel and besides this now the third day since these things happened moreover some women of our company macedis they were at the tomb early in the morning and he goes on to say that people have like they're just talking about th- what had just happened like people seen him ha- they they the people have seen him and then we know that Peter sees him and they're just kind of talking amongst themselves about this but Jesus catches on to what they said and much like John had hoped that they were, he was the one to come to redeem. They had said the same thing. And Jesus says, oh foolish ones, slow of heart to believe. All the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter in his glory? He's saying, guys, how often does he have to do that? Guys, come on, you know the stories, you know the scriptures. Come on, you know this, guys, you've read it. You know what the prophets have spoken. You know it. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them in the scripture all the things concerning himself, meaning he took some time to say, let me tell you, on this road to Emmaus, let me explain some things to you. This is what he said. He taught them he was the seed of the woman whose heel was bruised. The blessing of Abraham to all the nations, the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, the man who wrestled with Jacob, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the voice from the burning bush, the Passover lamb, the prophet greater than Moses, the captain of the Lord's army to Joshua, the ultimate kinsman redeemer mentioned in Ruth, the son of David who was a king greater than David, the suffering savior of Psalms 22, the good shepherd of Psalms 23, the wisdom of Proverbs and the lover of the Song of Solomon. The Savior described in the prophets and the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, the princely Messiah of Daniel who would establish a kingdom that would never end. He spent time on that road to tell them exactly who he was. Throughout the Old Testament, the prophets, the stories of the one to come, it says, they so they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for this is toward the evening, and the day is for now spent. So he went and stayed with them. So he's, he's ready to go, and they're like, hold up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stay with us. Don't go yet. Something is stirring in them, guys. Something that's profound that they're finding. Listen, Jesus was alive and walked with them. But he wasn't, he didn't meet their expectation. B- but when they took some time to listen to him and hear his words and study out what was in that scripture, they said, Don't leave us yet. They found something that they said, I can't let go of this. And 30 says, And he went to the table with them, and he took bread and he blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he vanished in their sight. I was reading that and I was like, So until they sat down. Until they had this intimate moment, until they broke bread with him, their eyes weren't open. Until they took time to sit and say, Lord, be with us, their eyes weren't open. And then he vanished. I don't know, could it have been the way that he talked? I mean, do you think we would recognize Jesus if he walked in? We've talked about that. Was it the way he talked? Was it just so profound that it was like, I don't know, who is this? Was it the holes in his hand? What... What was it about him? And I think that they felt the same way because the next thing that they said was, did not our hearts burn within us while we talked on this road, while he opened us up to the scripture? They get it. They're seeing it. They're like, what have we been doing? Where have we been? How do we miss him? Like, we walked. He could have passed us. How did we miss him? He taught them this deeper revelation that I think that we all want. But we get so caught up in our day-to-day, going to church on Sunday, our small groups on Wednesday, reading our scripture, because that's what's in our devotion, that we don't ever take the time to actually sit with him and get to know him. When he's inviting us into this road to Emmaus lifestyle, this this, this season of like, do you want to know more about me? Do you really truly want to know me? without this expectation of God. This isn't about knowing you, pressing in, digging deeper isn't about what you're going to do for me. This isn't about what you even coming back or this isn't about telling people about you this isn't this is no expectation of God. I want to know everything about you. I want to go to church Lord, because I want to be in your presence I want to learn. I want to go to Bama Bible study because God if there's something to know, there's something in your culture I have to know it. There's this word called um, ethnocentrism. And essentially what that is, is it's a word, a really, really fancy word for people that have an understanding of culture um, based on what they, what their culture, okay? So as white people from Holden, we understand that um, our culture looks a very certain way. Like we do not understand um, most other heritages, cultures, and so then we put this um, I- idealization of what it's supposed to look like. And that is what we do with scripture. That's what we do with the Hebrew language. Even if I want to know it, I try to, to understand it, I'm still so limited to what I understand. And so I can get in the Blue Letter Bible and look up words and tell you guys what I believe it means, but there's still so much history to that single word. Hi, guys. Are you coming for church or are you coming for coffee? Alright, come on in. So we have this, when we have this realization that God isn't exactly who we think he is, that this man whose real name is Yeshua is so much more than we ever know. We know what that does to me that says, well, then I want to know. I don't care what the cost is. I want to know. I will live the rest of my life then, God. Walk me on this road. Teach me then what it looks like, teach me what you want me to know, show me, and then I'll share it. What i am found, though, is there's so many, and I know, like, I'm preaching the choir here, because all of us, this is what we want, right? Like, this is this is who we are, this is what we want, this is what we're Like, this is what we're longing for, this is this road to Emmaus, like, show me more, God. But I think something is holding us back, and it's this expectation from it, that we're not better than other churches. We're not better than other people because we get this deeper revelation. Guys, it's there to share it because you know what they immediately went and did when they got this revelation? They went and told everybody. They went and shared it. They said, listen, guys, this is real. This is really happening. He's here. He's back, and it wasn't what we thought. And he went and he got to sh- they got to share that with everybody. And that's what we get to do too. That's that, that, invita- that invitation to not be expectant or to be expectant but not have this expectation. And he's asking us this question, well like, will we live in that expectation as an expectant daughter of whatever he wants, whatever it looks like? How does it look? And if that's the case, then I have to stop assuming I know and just kind of follow the cloud. Just follow where he's going. Follow what he's saying. And when I don't see it the way, because we can't help it. Like, we have this tendency to be like, oh, that's what I thought it was going to be. But, God, I trust you. But, God, I'm still in. me really excited i'm ready to challenge the system i think i've i've been ready but never really had words to it i've been i've been excited and i've been not to like just to cause trouble but to maybe stir the waters to stir something up and and I- if they talk they talk if but the hopes through that is that r- this real true jesus is revealed but no expectations, God. Do whatever you want to do. And so I share all that so that we have this heart posture of what we're walking in. This season of God, we're ready. We're ready to know you on a deeper level. We're ready to know you more. We know the cost. We know that John died. We know that Jesus died. But I don't know about you guys, but I'm in. So I want to take little bit of time and I want you guys to come up and share what you guys have um, been finding remember when two weeks ago remember when I, s- I challenged you guys and I said I want you guys to bring traditions cultures belief systems that we've always done in the church even our church and I want you guys to talk about it to come and to to say um, why is it that we do what we do? Why is it that we're following um, the path that we're following? If this is a time that we get to, to step outside of our own boxes, if this is a time that we get to say, God, I don't have any expectations on you, but I'm expectant, then we have to know that this is a season that we are going to have to press in like we haven't, have never done before. That if we're going to know him, guys, this doesn't look like me studying and and. Taking classes and courses and pressing into the chronological Bible and the, the ESV and the NIV and the and every theologian friend I have, which I don't think I have any, um, but I'm open to it. Um, do I? Do I? Mm? Praise God. <laughs> anyway, um, I didn't want to be wrong if you weren't. Um, that means it's not just me. It's not just your leaders. It's not just Jalen and Roberta leading kids' church. It's not just Sierra leading worship team. It means it's every one of us are saying, God, I'm going to lay down Facebook for you. God, if you're calling me, (laughs) Tim doesn't have Facebook. That's easy for him. God. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly right. And you haven't picked it up since. Yep. Yep. Right. Yes. No, I'm not. I'm not. Right. Exactly. I don't think you've had it since I as long as I've no, you did have it did when have I've known you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I and you know what I've seen with that? Yes. Yeah. And what I've seen with that too is we'll ask the Lord, am I supposed to have it? He'll say no. We get really excited and we lay it down until we don't anymore. And we pick it back up. W- yeah, that, was, that could not have been you, God. Like, uh, yeah. It was, surely wasn't he, oh, But Right. Right. And that's what we say. And, like, I'm on Facebook, so I'm not trying to. Like, I get it. I understand. But what is the Lord saying? Is the Lord calling you in to fast? But you're like, I don't want to do that. Guys, I, I don't want to do that. But what is the Lord saying? Do we really mean it when we say, God, I want to walk this road with you, but don't make it hard. God, I, I want deep things. I want revelation, but I, I don't want perseverance or, like, endurance. I don't want any of that stuff. But he told us in Romans that that's what it takes. And that's, where we're, that's, wh- that's how we get there. That's what we are doing, guys. We're not going to get anywhere. We have to die to our flesh. We have to die to these desires, these wants that we have of what we think and what we expect doesn't mean that it's going to be easy no one who told us it was going to be easy where does that come from mega churches (laughs) false teaching it doesn't mean that there's not joy oh there's joy (laughs) i didn't hear what you said there's so much joy but it's a lie if we're saying that there's not some things that we have to die to and as a culture, as a family, as a church, I'm inviting you guys into that with me. Whatever that looks like, what does that look like to you? Have you been asking the Lord, God? Instead of saying, God, what is, this, what is my word for the year? And I'm not against words, but listen. Don't get on Facebook and take the quiz and let the quiz give you the word. Please don't do that. If you've done it, it's fine. But ask the Lord, Lord, what is my word? That's I'm not against words. I'm not against New Year's resolutions. I just said last last week that my New Year's resolution 12 years ago was to go to church, and I did. And I didn't like it, so we found Tim's church. <laughs> <laughs> it's not how it happened, but <laughs> what'd you say? <laughs> <No> <laughs> I did too. Not a, not when I want. No, I just didn't want Jason to tell me what to do. <laughs> I still don't. Um, yeah. Anyway. So I want to I wanna see how prepared you guys are. So when I gave this homework, when I invited you guys into this, I heard a lot of buzz. There was people that are like, oh, this is, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to say this, and a couple people said, yes, I did this. But how serious did we take it? Are we actually pressing in and actually saying, testing why we do what we do? Why do we have, re- like, religious cultures and systems if we don't know why we're doing it? And you guys can't expect me just to tell you everything. You can't expect Jason or Tim or anybody that preaches just to come up here and say, "Don't don't 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 open your Bible. I'll teach you everything." You just sit right there and let me coddle you and change your diapers and feed you milk. Like, guys, this isn't who we are. I will give you I'm not going to say that. <coughs> anyway, that's actually not how it works, right? I'm you guys have no r- it was funny when Hayden was preparing for I I don't think it was this time when he was preparing for this message, but it was at one point he was preparing to speak or something or maybe open, and he had mentioned how much time, why are you looking at me like that? He had mentioned how much time it took him. Do you remember that conversation? Yeah. Okay. And then I was like, oh, well, yeah. I probably study, I mean, there's days that I study every single day, several weeks, leading up to. I All day yesterday, I studied out scripture. I looked through Luke, and I read about John, and I studied, and I read. I probably read Luke 7 and Luke 24 probably 150 times all day on Saturday where my kids were in hanging out. Jade and the river came out. I took an hour to hold my grandbaby, and then I went right back to it. And all week before that, I stayed home, and I studied this this out, and I pressed in, and I asked the Lord what his what he wanted to say, not what I wanted to say, what he wanted to say. And guys, it's not, you can't just be like, well, you're the pastor. No, guys, I have a life. I have a job. Like, I love doing this, but this isn't all I do. But it's because I choose to. I want to. God, I want to know you. But you guys have to do it for yourself, too. And I know that you do. I know, and I, I again, preaching to the choir, you guys, you guys are all fiery, hungry ones. And so, um, ones who love the Lord. Okay, you guys ready to share what you've been digging into? You guys excited? Just I'll, Sarah. I'll bring
1: the mic to you so you don't have to come up here. You guys
2: like his new shirt? I like this. Yeah, she got, this I like the color. It Present. might It might be my favorite color. It matches the curtains. Okay, anyway.
3: <coughs> it <coughs> is my favorite color. <laughs> oh, bye guys. Okay, so not like churchy, but like Christian. Um, so you guys, you guys love Christmas lights. I love Christmas lights. They make me so happy. Yeah. Um
2: During Christmas. After January first, it's no.
3: My Christmas is already done. Except oh I yeah. left the floor mat out, and I was like, "Dang it! Oh, I have to go find oh the hate box." Anyways. Anyway. Um, so Christmas lights. They this all started in Germany, like late 1800s. So like 19th century, turning towards the 20th century. People were already bringing Christmas trees in, but we celebrate Christmas December 25th, which is really freaking cold. Um, and then <coughs> they would start decorating the trees. And I was trying to figure out, like, when do we put lights like on the outside of the house? And it's because it was so cold, they closed the doors, they would, like, pull back curtains, they closed windows, and you couldn't see the light, like, from the outside. So they put lights on the house or, like, candles, like, in the windows to, like, signify, like, people were here, you could come in, like, they were inviting you to come into the house. Like celebrate Christmas with them, and I'm like, oh, but it's so nice, it's so special, I love it. So just as an FYI, next year you have Christmas lights on. I'm coming to your house. I'm just gonna walk okay. in.
4: <laughs> Babe, let's not put any Christmas lights up. That's rude. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't come over and announced. Oh, <laughs> what?
2: would did you say? Oh, with the ring of the doorbell. Trust me, my kids will know you're coming down the road and they're going to be screaming and trying to get clothes on and all of us will be like, who's here? Who's here? I don't know. (laughs) Why are we? I'm not. (laughs) You're going to tell me your boys don't run around in their underwear. Really? Oh, they don't wear anything. (laughs) Okay, guys. (laughs) Right. We're country people. Like... If you would have seen Josiah at the Bay City house. Yeah. Just a thing. Yeah, never. Ever. <laughs> What'd you say, Sam? No. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: <laughs> Poor Sia. Oh, Sia. Not now, buddy, but do you guys remember the one time that We <laughs> do you remember the one time we were making Christmas cookies and I posted a picture and you might have kind of seen Josiah's butt and I think it was Courtney that was like, "Mom, if the Kennemans try to bring us Christmas cookies, don't get it. Don't take any. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my baby Josiah. <laughs> oh, sigh, sigh. I don't stop, Leave alone. Okay, who's next? You running around naked too. Stop. Just up to the neighbor's house. Okay. Take this off the podcast. Okay, All right, who's next? Where's Jill and Matt? They were supposed to talk about circumcision. Bummer. What would you say?
1: Ask your question again.
2: Okay. So two weeks ago I had said <laughs> that we're going to invite, that we're going to have a space, we're going to have time for you to come up and talk about um, why we do things the way we do them capital C, the church as a whole, or as lyric, or a church that you've been to, or even maybe just something that you grew up doing? Why do we pray before meals? Why do we end a scripture or end a a prayer with amen? Um, Why do we celebrate Christmas on December 25th? You want to talk about that one?
3: Give her the mic, babe. Yep. Okay. Hi, me again. Um. So, <laughs> <Hi
4: Sarah>. <laughs> hello.
3: <laughs> so that was actually because there was a pagan holiday surrounding the winter solstice, and um, when like Christianity was like going out into the world, well, people were like, well, we're still going to celebrate our stuff because it's part of our culture, and they were like, well, maybe maybe we don't, maybe we pick that. Maybe, maybe we don't like celebrate like. I think it was like the like the sun god. Um, so they said, "Well, we'll 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 celebrate something," and that yeah, pretty much. It was just like, "Well, he doesn't have a we celebrate his." I think they were still celebrating his birth, but not like on a specific day. Same thing with Easter. Easter is also
2: yeah, and off. we just do things the way that we've done them because it's what we've been told, and we follow this tradition of. Um, which is it's what we do, and especially when we're Christians. Then we want to fight about it. We want to, like, throw down with some people that are like, Christmas was a pagan holiday. We want to get mad about it. But what if, (laughs) right, guys? Like, I'm not saying we don't, we absolutely celebrate Jesus on December 25th. I'm not saying I'm trying to change the day. I'm just saying, like, that's what we choose because we don't actually know what day he was born. And so we choose, okay, let's do it on December 25th. But there's, but we don't, but History actually alludes to that he was born in September. And I've also heard people say March. Um, but what we're looking at is we're looking at when John the Baptist was born. We're looking at um, um, just kind of the seasons because we don't actually um, understand the, he- the Hebrew calendar either. The Hebrew calendar is not January to December like ours is. There's so much more that we don't understand. And at Christmas time, I kind of... At our Christmas service, I kind of threw this out here, and I said, Jesus wasn't born in a manger. He was born in a cave. But how would we know that, right? Because every story that we've ever heard said, baby Jesus was born in a manger with goats and pigs and horses, and that they couldn't find an, a, a place in the inn. We've always been taught that. We've always been taught that Noah had two animals going into the ark. We've we've always been taught Joseph was a carpenter. He was a stonemason. I mean, We may have looked into that one a lot just because, you know, we might own a stone company. But it was true. Um, Mary's name was actually Miriam, but um, King James changed it to Mary because he liked it better. Guys, there's so much, so, so much that we live out and we want to fight for. And denominations have been built around things that we don't even actually understand. We have no idea. Theologies have broken up family. I mean, we, we know it's gonna happen. It's in scripture, but what are you fighting for? What are we fighting for? Or are we fighting for our, our customs and our, our, our what we know to be church, but we're not fighting for Jesus? Are we are we throwing people under the bus to to satisfy and to defend what our church does? And no, we don't even know what we're talking about. Not us. We don't do that. What else? Okay.
0: So I was watching a movie the other day, and they smashed the plate, you know, after a wedding. And so I was like, huh, why do they do that? Like, you see it all the time. So traditionally, Greeks would do it for two different reasons. Um, They would do it together as a sign of, like, teamwork. That's the first thing that they do together is smash a plate. (laughs) so many other things you can do. We're not smashing plates, um, but then also um, they said that celebrations <laughs> tend to draw evil spirits. But they couldn't do it if they smashed a plate because it drew them away. Like it, it was too noisy. <laughs> like what? The things we come up with, like yeah, you g- there's evil spirits, so let's smash plates. like what did just I thought that was super funny. Um, yeah, so they did it for two different reasons.
2: I've been um, just kind of studying out Genesis and um, going just kind of sitting there and resting there for a little bit at the beginning of the year and just finding all the discrepancies and all the things that I thought happened with Adam and Eve and all of the truths that I've been told about um, Cain and Abel, and um, even the Nephilim. <gasps> I said it. Um, th- they <laughs> yeah. Be careful not to talk about the things that people don't know about. Um, just studying, like just kind of resting in this place, and, and it's called macro reading, where you read, um, like you read kind of to see the overall picture, instead of trying to... Um, decipher maybe every word. We're trying to see this overall picture and understanding that Genesis was written to a family, that the Jewish people were a family. There was other people on earth, guys. Like, sorry, it's true. Maybe Adam and Eve were the first, but then there was other people on earth. We see that because we see that Cain married somebody from another area. Like, it's not everything that we think that it was. And so if we aren't willing to go in and press in and study this ourselves, then... Then what is that saying? Then we're saying on the road that, God, we're, we're pretty satisfied with where we're at. This is what I want. I want to wake up on Sunday and come and hear a word from the pastor and worship for about 15.3 minutes and sing only the songs that I know, um, that I hear on Caleb, and, <laughs> and go home. And then cuss at my neighbor and flip off the guy that got in my lane and not tip my waitress What? It does. <laughs> Especially when you don't tip my baristas. Don't you guys come up in here and not tip my baristas. Yes, Shiloh? hmm
6: Last night. Thank you, brother. Last night I was watching The Chosen, and I'm rewatching watching it because, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Nicodemus and Shmuel were talking in the temple and uh, Shmuel has been threatened by Jesus and how he claims that you know he's kind of the son of God and uh, Nicodemus and him are having this argument and he was arguing with Nicodemus saying like nobody can see the face of God it says that and Nicodemus is like where and he's like You know, in the Torah, you know, he told, I don't know, Moses, don't get my words, but he was like, nobody can see the face of God and still live. This is why he showed his backside. And um, Nicodemus was like, do you understand that the first five books that there are, there's this group of people that only live by the first five books, but then they didn't get to experience Isaiah or the other prophets or the things afterwards if you're stuck in this you know, these five books, and he was like, who's to say that God doesn't have the power to come in human form or, or or to, you know, even, like, spink through a donkey, whatever. Like, he was like, who's to say that God can't do this? If God came down and told you, well, that I'm going to do it this way, are you going to tell him no because the Torah says that you can't do that and put him back in a box and tell him to go back to heaven? And I was just like, I don't know, I was just thinking, like, sometimes we do the things that we do, like church, like you said, it's one, two, three, A, B, C. We do church this way, this way, this way. Well, what if we didn't do church that way? You know, what if, um, or like when you're talking about preparing a message, like I prepared a message for months when I I did prison ministry because I was supposed to tell my testimony and I get really nervous. And so I prepared for months and months and months. And the day came. It was Sunday and I was supposed to go Monday. And... uh, an an incident happened in my home and the next day the Lord was like you're not going to use that that's not what you're going to talk about I want you to talk about this and I'm like do you understand that I leave for the prison in like three hours and God's like yes and this is what you're going to talk about and I was like okay I'll step out of the box (laughs) but I I don't know that Shmuel and Nicodemus thing
2: okay a couple
6: more minutes what else
2: guys
7: gotta be honest I did not study (laughs) for the pop quiz (laughs) but (laughs) it was three weeks ago when we when you had asked about it um it was the pajama party for Mm. the kids and stuff Mm. and someone was like said something about why not adults wearing pajamas and things like that so some of us We're wearing our pajamas, and (laughs) I remember, (laughs) I remember um, talking to Tyler about how I felt so weird Mm -hmm. wearing pajamas to church, nevertheless being on the worship team and standing (laughs) in front of the church in my pajamas, and I I, just, it was this thing that I didn't realize that was just kind of still there, but, like, growing up, like, my grandma, like, the day that I wore a tank top to church, mm-hmm. you know, she was like, said some things, and I was like, if she could see me up here right now, <laughs> I'm oh sure grandma. she would say something yeah. still about it. And so when you asked, that w- immediately came to my mind. I was like, why do we, why do we need to dress our best, our Sundays best, and why do we have to, you know, make ourselves look like we're more put together than we are, and um and i literally i i meant i really i was really interested and i meant to of course study it i'm you know a procrastinator (laughs) 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 um it's okay there's next week and so well yeah okay so maybe i'll study some more on it then but um i was literally just sitting here and like looking it up real fast i was like dang it i meant to do that um and i know that uh for certain, like in like for religious people and like in in the Jewish synagogue and stuff like that, certain adornments of their robes stood for certain things and um, had like a religious significance. And then there's part of like for women, you know, um, head coverings and covering yourself. And I, I understand modesty and to respect yourself and others and respect your temple in that way, I feel like, but I just never understood, like, so I was just sitting here, and I was like, so what is our best then, mm. God, you know? Mm-hmm. like The most I- expensive, the, yeah, like the name is brand, that, what, does what does that, that our mean? Best? And, yeah. and um, what I heard from him was just, it's not, it's not our best physically or outwardly, but as a human, what he values as best is just to be humble, and to be honest, and to have this willingness to come here just raw and open, and it's not like, it's not like shaming if you, you know, buy an expensive dress and want to wear it on Sunday, and like, as a stay-at-home mom, I never leave the house that much, (laughs) so... This is one of the times people actually see me in public, um, but I just—I was just—he just kind of touched my heart about it because it was—it was actually really nerve-wracking for me to be in my pajamas on a stage, and I was like, "Gosh, why is it like that?" And just—I have to—I d- had to undo. I mean, I really had to like let go that morning <laughs> of—I don't have to look or act a certain way for him to be in his house, yeah. to be around his people. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was really freeing. It was a revelation for me of like, that's, he's hes not asking for, mm-hmm, for that.
2: Because if we ask the real question here, is it's not that you're ashamed to be in front of Jesus in your pajamas, we're ashamed to be in front of other people. So then it becomes this, um fear of man this but what are they gonna think of me what are people gonna say i don't and we've talked about fear of man and we'll continue to talk about it until we get every ounce out of us but that's part of the problem in our in our society is we're so worried about what other people think we're so worried about the people that come to church and will they will they tithe enough will they leave will they get mad and and we've said from the beginning, like, this is a house for him. We love people. We want to teach people. We want uh, people in our family. You are a part of our family. We're a, this, this community of people. But listen, like, we don't do this for you. And you don't dress. I, d- I don't put my boots on for you guys. Just, but they are my new boots, and I like them. But <laughs>
1: thanks. But how does the Lord say to clothe yourself? What does he say? That's right. Clothe yourself in righteousness. Um,
8: religious institution really comes down to a heart posture, and I think everything Paul ever challenged came down to a heart posture ever, right? Circumcision, you mentioned that. Intentionally, it meant to cut away the extra flesh, and it was symbolic of what God desired to do in the hearts of men, to strip there is a sacrifice that comes with obedience. Yes. It's letting your flesh die so that you can live in the spirit. That I think there's so much more there, but let's just hit a few of these. Jesus did come to people throughout the Old Testament several times. In fact, just yesterday was one of the times I hadn't noticed before, and that's Samson's mother. And I was shocked because there's several times where Jesus... Comes as a man. Now, I don't think we can see the Father. And so Moses had that experience where he even glowed physically. I found that interesting about Bema where it said, Well, there was no sun, so how could there be plants on the third day? In the new heaven and new earth, there will be no sun. God Himself is the light that grows all things. He will be the light we need. The sun and the moon are bearers of that light. So he is the light that the plants needed that day to grow. And he is that light still. And Moses got to see that. And being in his presence made himself glow. There's so much we traditional church thought has left us blind when we read these stories to the impact that they have, which I think is what you were asking us. Let's start digging and asking questions. Are we blind in some of these things, right? Timothy, Paul teaches Timothy, correct the women that are putting their Sunday best on and coming into church because they're shaming the poor women in your church. And we don't want to treat each other that way. It was a heart posture issue. Women, why do you want to walk around uh, modestly with your hair down and uncovered in society at that time? That meant single woman... And Paul was saying, where is this coming from? Where's your heart in this? Is it not for your husband? Are you embarrassing him? Why would you want to do that? And many of these things that he challenged that become religious tradition today, we're holding on to something because we missed the point, which was what should we clothe ourselves in? In righteousness and being like Christ. It's a heart posture. It's an attitude of praise. Hebrews deals with the Sabbath, and how our true Sabbath rest is in Christ now that he's come. But there's still value in honoring that seventh day and taking rest. It doesn't have to be done as a religious thing anymore. It was at that time because God's desperate attempt to teach mankind to rest, (laughs) right? And he knows our tendency is to work, 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 you know. I think of that car wash song. You know, working to the bone. You know, that's such a tendency for mankind, and God doesn't want that for us because in working nonstop, we miss listening to Him and having a present time with Him. How can we know what the future holds or which way to go if we don't be still with Him? So it requires rest. And Jesus demonstrated that by taking many breaks and going to the Father and resting with the Father to know what to do next. So,
2: Let's see. Um, yeah, I think that was all of
8: Rolling around in my head.
2: If you guys want a Road to Emmaus moment, sit with Julie for a while. <laughs> so she's, there's uh, there's so much richness with the Lord in her. Thank you for sharing that. Also, we think she needs to start a podcast. Hey, hook, hook her up. Teach her how to do that. Okay? You to do that? Okay. You didn't hear anything I said, did you? <laughs> okay. In your spare time. Uh, Corny.
5: We were talking at Christmas about how one of um, our, our old roommate, how he never celebrated Christmas as a kid. And when he was 45 and we moved in with him, we introduced him to Advent calendars with the chocolate. And, like, he had never had a Christmas tree. And we bought him a stocking. And he was like, what's the stocking for? Like, we thought that was so funny that he had never done... Christmas, and we were talking about it at Christmas um, this year again, because I talk about it every year, because I think it's funny that he didn't know anything about celebrating it. But then we were talking about um, in the Bible where it says to be convinced in your own heart, and if you observe a day, observe it unto the Lord. And if you don't observe the day, don't observe it unto the Lord. But either way, you're not wrong as long as you're convinced in your own heart. And so that's a great scripture, obviously, but I think some people take it as well, I'm convinced, and so mm-hmm. I can't be wrong. Right. But you, when you're doing the research to convince yourself, you shouldn't be doing it on Google, and you shouldn't uh-huh. be doing it.
2: Amen. Say that one more time. You shouldn't
5: yeah. be doing it on YouTube, yeah. or you shouldn't yeah. be doing it on Facebook, and you shouldn't necessarily be doing it from whatever your pastor said. Yep. You need to ask God, and you need to look in the Bible. And so when you're convinced in your heart, it's because the Holy Spirit convinced you of it, not just because, oh, well, somebody said that, and that's cool, and that's pretty convincing. So. That must be true.
2: Yes. So, so good. Whatever so good.
5: you do, do it unto the Lord or yeah. don't do it unto the Lord, but let yeah. the Holy Spirit be the one that convinced yes, you.
2: that. Press into that. Ask him. Ask Holy Spirit. God, what do you want to show me in this? What are you trying to reveal to me? Then study out scripture and have an open mind that our English language. You know, Julie had mentioned, she said it takes ten, which way? It's ten English words to understand one he- word in Hebrew. Guys, there's so much more. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Where are we at? hmm
9: We were here two weeks ago when you said that, uh, Tiffany, but we're actually here because of the subject matter. We left probably 2015, mm-hmm. what I'll call organized religion. Anything that looks like, smells like, mm-hmm. we really ran from Probably the reason we're not as plugged in here as we could be is because we're, you know, we've been apprehensive, bad on us, not you guys. But I took this picture this morning. I could talk for a long time about this whole religion thing. I've studied books when we left the organized religion to try to find what you guys are describing. Where you study the word and our sister back there, you're right, is anointed. Talking about the heart posture thing and that's what it's all about. Here's a picture I took this morning. I'm not some creepy old guy taking pictures of Lisa and her daughter. I took it, and I'll show you later, because it feels like the family of God in this place. And I just wanted to, you know, maybe say that to you guys just to encourage you that, man, at least from my perspective, you're on the right path. So it's supposed to feel like when you come into church, you feel his presence alongside people who love him, and you look a lot like a family. Just like when Presley's name came up while you were doing, there's a lot of churches that wouldn't tolerate that. She just came up there because she loves you. And you just put your arm around her because you love her. Our father is just like that when we come to him. He doesn't push us away. And so what we see here just from our perspective, I think I can speak for Sherry is is just man. The heart posture thing. We just love Jesus and we want to love people and we want to especially those in the house of God. And that's what we see when we come to this place. So I hope that's an encouragement to you. We're still searching ourselves. Yeah. But uh, but it's good. Thank yeah. you.
2: It's what we prayed for. That's what we said. I said, Lord, if we don't, God, if we don't have this, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't want anything. Like I don't want to just go and attend. Like we've tried it. We've and not. We did. We had a. We had that at Tim and Melissa's. But when the Lord asked them to step away, it was we were lost for so long, and we didn't know exactly what we were looking for because we'd never had it. And it was about three years ago this time, I think, ish, maybe I don't remember. Um, that I just, we just cried out to the Lord, and we were like, God, we have to have this, this community. We have to have this family. I don't, I don't know what else to do. We feel so lost. And so, um, He has built it, and He has done it. And we were talking about that in women's group that there is, um, like, people have mentioned, like, um, there's people in this city that are talking about us. There's people in Harrisonville that are talking about us, and they're like. Just so you guys know that you're making ripples, you're making waves. Like people are paying attention, and this isn't. A, and I was like, well, this is not about people paying attention. Like I could care less. In fact, don't look at this. Um, it's it's honestly just about getting back to what God intended, and and being the church of Scripture, and trying the best that we can. Which is why we're going through Acts, guys. Which is why we're seeing how what are we? What did it look like? We don't do it perfect, but I'm always willing to do. and change, and and move the way that the Lord wants us to. Okay. All right. You kids are being so good. I'm so proud of you. I promise we're going to work really hard to get the heat on upstairs next week, okay?
10: What? You're bored. What else is new? Okay, go ahead. I just think, Going back to what Tiffany taught on today is part of being expectant is expecting God to fully complete and provide what is needed for whatever it is he's walking you to. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, God will speak something to us and say, I want you to do this. I want you to go through this. I want you to go to here. And then we have a list. Well, God, I can't because I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I don't have this. My kids don't have that. And so that puts us in a box to where we can't get there and we can't be obedient because we put up roadblocks. But if we just start walking, the provision is there. God's not going to ever tell you to do anything that he's not willing to provide for. I mean, we're on a journey of something that God spoke to us two years ago. We're still walking it out. And all through the way, the price of this has went up tremendously. But we're still walking. We're meeting our budget. And God has provided all along the way. And I haven't even noticed. Like, I look at, you know, everybody's like, oh, the cost of this is so much, and the cost of that is so much. And I'm like, oh, it really is. But for us, like, I haven't noticed because we're just being obedient, and we're following God, and we're walking through it. And the provision is just there. And so when you don't look at the provision you need, but you look at what God told you to do, the provision is already there. Yeah. So being expectant, but not expecting, is that yeah. what it is? Being being expectant, but no expectation. Right. Yeah. So part of being expectant is, okay, God, you said this. I expect you to, to provide. Yep, yep. However you want. And not even focus. Yeah. Not. Not even, don't even make it part of your prayer life. Right. You shouldn't be, oh, God, I yeah. believe that you will provide what I need yes. to do this for right. your will. No, because that's not, Right. that's disbelief. That's unbelief. Yep. Because if you're really walking in the provisions, you know they're going to be there. You don't have to pray about them. Yep. They're just there. That'll make some religious people mad, too. We're just
2: making them all mad today. <laughs> that's what we do. That's good. Thank you. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to hand the mic over to Craig. Craig is going to come up and um, talk about something that has been on his heart. And then when he's done, we will pray and we'll be done. You guys good? I know it's noon. You guys good? We purposely don't say church is from 10 to noon because it's not. (laughs) But it does start at 10 now. I think it's proud. Like, did it start at 10 today? Dang it. Next time. Okay.
4: Let me get my phone open here. Okay. Uh, as a church body, we're going to do a 21 day fast. Um, this is going to be up to you what portion of it you want to take. Um, let the, let the Lord lead you in that area. Um, it's 21 days. You want to do all 21 days? Go for it. I'll be behind you helping you out if you need it. Bye. Um, so just kind of give some high points of what fasting is. Fa- fasting is not a command by God. It's just an expectation. It's just an he just When you fast he says when you fast so it's an expectation it's not like you should fast it's when you fast do not do it for other people don't do it to sh- bring glory to yourself and to show off do it under god so in a lot of ways you should keep it secret it's hard to keep it secret when you're trying to teach about it right but so you have to teach about it but you don't you don't do it you don't do it to bring glory to you, but to bring glory to God. I'm going to read Matthew 6. Let me switch this over to the other screen here. Just so you know, I have two screens going to do two things at one time on this phone. So let me get to my Bible. So we're going to do Matthew 6, 16 through 18, real quick. Uh, I don't want to drag this out for everybody to make this a long day, but I'll try to hit some highlighted points here. Um, oops. Back up here. Probably should have already had it plugged in, but I didn't. Matthew 616 through 18. Now whenever you fast, do not make a gloomy face as a hypocrite. Do it for the dis- I do for they distort their faces so that they will be noticed by people when they are fasting. Truly, I say unto you, they have their reward in full. The very first part of it is now whenever you fast, that's expectation. That's not, and that's Jesus talking, by the way. So it's not a command. He just, when you do it, this this should just be part of your life, right? So that particular scripture kind of shows you what Jesus had to say. Now we're going to Matthew 9, 14 through 17. Right, Does everybody have it that wants to have it? Uh, Then the disciples of John came to him asking, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said unto them, The attendants of the groom cannot mourn as long as the groom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the groom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. So... It goes on to talking about other things here. I, I really don't want to get into the wine skins and the garments. Um, that's really more deep, a little deeper than I want to go into. But at, he's again saying, when he was with them, they didn't have to fast. The the bridegroom was with them, but now that he's gone and he's gone up to heaven, and we are expecting the return, we should be fasting. Now fasting is. I, it's really interesting because I've been studying it like everybody else for days and days and whatever. And again, this morning before I came in, I kind of rewent through everything. But the whole, our whole service today was like fasting. Our praise and worship was praise to God and giving God all the glory and, and yielding to God our day and our time and everything, just wanting to hear Him and know Him and be in his presence that's fasting that's fasting that's giving up your food and all the things around you to praise and worship God and it's 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 probably the most awesome thing that you can do because it's rare as we were talking earlier about the church doing things and Church doesn't talk about fasting; they don't do it. But it's so unique because you get so in tune to God that just walking down the street, you can hear him and you can feel him. And his presence is so strong. And I don't know how to I don't know how to describe it any other way than that. So last night is. I was canning up some food and listening to some Christian music. And I'm in the middle of a fast right now, just so you know. And some Christian music came across, and the words just dug so deep that I had to cry, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And it was so dynamic and so strong, and and it, it, it was just so hard to describe. And then another song came out, one of my favorites. And it's kind of, I guess, genres like Latino. But it's got a lot of, lot of music and a lot of, and it's all about God, but it's just a lot of, it made me start dancing. So I'm in the kitchen by myself, jumping up and down and dancing and just enjoying the presence of God, knowing that he loves me. That he truly, truly loves me. And he wants the best for me, and I know he loves me because he saved my life three times. I should be dead right now, so uh, I should have drowned twice and be crushed by a car once. And uh, God brought me out of it for a reason because He loves me. He truly, He loves you. And this, when you do the fast, you'll, if you just get into His presence and you just you got to push away all the work because what's going to happen is you're going to start doing work because you're you're going to be hungry or whatever and you're going to try to get your mind out of it get your mind on God and you'll find that time just so dynamic that it's just you'll you'll go away stronger than you ever were you'll go away stronger than you ever were um so One of the things I would like to talk about, as we know, there's a spiritual benefit. There's also a physical benefit. And there's studies today on fasting. And fasting has become more of a hot topic for a lot of people, just fasting once a week, twice a week. But the physical benefits are it promotes blood sugar control, fights inflammation, improves the healthy heart, improving blood pressure, triglycerides, and cholesterol levels. Boosts the brain function and prevents neuro, neurodegenerative disorders. And of course, the weight loss. If you don't lose weight, you're not fasting. Uh, growth hormone secretion, which is vital to the growth of metabolism, weight loss, and muscle strength. Creates longevity. Uh, we were talking earlier about stamina. If you can make a 21-day fast, you have stamina that most people don't have. You have the stamina that has proven to yourself that you have. And you can take on a lot of stuff. knowing that You've got the stamina to take it on. A lot of it is um, taking on stuff is just ignoring the negative part and just focusing on God. And uh, AIDS and cancer prevention. This is a big one. AIDS and cancer s- prevention studies show 70% less chance of cancer if you fast. Uh, and the reason is you're detoxing your body. Think about it. All, when you eat, your, your stomach is just a, a storehouse of food. And your body's working to get rid of it all and try to burn it up and do things with it. If there's nothing there, your body gets to go through a little bit of rest. I say a little bit of rest because your body's going to start eating on fat. And as we all know, we could probably all lose some weight. And so this, you start eating on your fat. But you're going through a total detox. All the chemicals and everything that are going in your body are no longer going in your body. So you're detoxing big time. So some of the other things, and I'm talking through things that this is about knowing fasting because this is what I do. Not you know, this what I do. This is what I've done over years and years of time. I've started off with a one-day fast, went to a three-day fast, another three-day fast, another three-day fast. I found out that my three day fast was just torment. Because the three day fat when you fast, first three days you have hunger pains and headaches. If you drink coffee, whoo baby, you're gonna have headaches like there's no tomorrow. Like feels like your back of your head's gonna pop off. That's that's you coming down from your coffee, your addiction to caffeine. Um but after three days between three and five, now everybody has a, a different range in there. For me, it's after three days, the hunger pains go away. I don't crave food. I, you can ask my wife. We went to dinner twice last year when I fasted. went to dinner with the family, and I sat at the dinner table in a public restaurant and watched them all eat and had a great time, had a good conversation. didn't bother me. But i already been past the three days, so it, didn't, it wasn't necessarily coming at me. Uh, um, one of the things is, uh, one thing, after three days, you will have a black bowel movement. And you'll know, say, so what is that? Well, you will pass black feces. That black is feces that is stuck inside your colon, and we all have it, especially if you've never fasted. Uh, it's stuck inside your colon, and it's been in there for years. And so when you go through that fast, when you reach three or four days, you'll you'll have bowel movements first two days, and then by the third day, it's maybe a little gas or whatever. But you, somewhere after three days, you'll have a black bowel movement. Benefit. You just purge something that's been in your system for a long, long time. Now, there's some people that take chemicals to do this without having to fast. You can take chemicals and you just, basically, you have the runs for days and it goes out, right? But this is really healthy and it's, it's kind of unique. After you've done one or two fasts, you never have that anymore, which tells you your body's not building up that anymore. It's not plugged up with that anymore. So it's one of the benefits, but just one of the things you'll notice. So please, if you're, if you're going to do it, watch. Pay attention. Say, hey, wow, he said this is going to happen. It did happen. And see the benefit of that. You're going to have weight loss. Sorry, guys, you're going to have muscle loss. You're going to lose muscle. You're going to be bulked up like a, a monster, and it's going to shrink down on you. It's just part of the fasting. Uh, you'll be weak. You'll dream of food. Oh, will you dream of food? You'll sit in the middle of the night going, why did I just have that dream of eating a steak? And all those, you know, your dream of food uh, is just part of your brain trying to get you back into eating. Uh, the other thing is, you'll notice your impulses. You have impulses that you don't know because they're impulses. You do it without even recognizing it. Last night, I'm cutting up carrots. Jason gave me two bags of carrots, and we cut them up. I'm not eating, so the food's going to go to waste if I don't do something with it. So I chopped it up, put it in the freezer. I'm cutting up carrots. So I saw a piece that didn't really fit in the bag, fit in with the rest, and I took it and I went, and I just about flipped it in my mouth. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? It was an impulse. I impulsively, normally when I cooking, something don't look right, I flip it in my mouth and eat and keep moving. So you'll notice other impulses. I had an impulse of eating ice cream the other day. I was like, walked over to the freezer and it opened up like, what are you doing? It was just an impulse. I wanted ice cream and I went there, but it wasn't, that I was craving it necessarily. It was just an impulse. So you notice impulses, but the biggest benefit is your your relationship with God will increase. You can have some expectation. I want to read one thing about expectation that was really interesting. Um, let me see. I think it's Mark. No, that isn't it. Acts 13.3. Let's do that and I'll be done. Sorry, i rugged us out a little bit, but. 13.3. Then when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. So let me go to first part of it. Let's go to one. Now there were prophets and teachers at Antioch and in the church that was there. Barnabas, Simon, or Simeon, who was called... Niger, Lucas of Cyrene, Menaning, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, which was actually Paul, while they were serving the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set Barnabas and Saul apart for me for the work for which I have called them. Then when they have fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So there was that expectation that we talked about today. Um, that's why they're fasting and praying. But what I got out of it is there was they were able to receive guidance and direction. God can give you guidance and direction on your life. I'm not telling you to say, God, I need this, and you're fasting to get that. I'm saying he will speak to you of what you should do and where you should be. And it, and it gives good guidance and direction. So that's what we're doing. Um, pick out a piece that you want. You want one day, three days, the whole 21, seven days. If you've never fasted, I'm not saying you don't do the whole 21, but it's nothing wrong with just doing a few days and getting used to it and then do it again later. Why 21 days? To be honest, the last church I was in, is that what so that's what we did. Yeah, yeah.
8: And how they're living here in Babylon. They're not going to leave. They're not going to let us leave, God. What does this mean that I'm finding this prophet saying this 100 years before? More than. So he begins to fast and pray. And he, he just lays himself out. He will not budge until God speaks to him. And when the angel comes with the message from God, it sa- the angel says, it took me these 21 days to break through the spiritual warfare so that I could deliver this message to you. So when when we desire to seek the Lord, how long can you hold out? How much are you craving God's direction for this year for your life? How hungry are you, right? Jesus fasted 40 days right? And I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I've tried the three to five day fast. Don't do it. It's not worth it. You're just starting to break through your flesh and the addictions and the chemicals in your body. The good stuff comes after that. And I'm telling you that last week of those 21 days, and I've only been able to do it once. The other two times I've been 14 days and a few other times, not long enough. That last week, it's like when you read through Deuteronomy and, and all the sacrifices, right? God often says, and the smell is so pleasing to my heart, right? There's something about us being willing to take something and deny ourselves of it and give it purely to God. That is a sacrifice. And I don't think it's the literal smell of burning flesh that God loved. It was their willingness to take something beautiful that there was in their ownership and give it fully to God and not touch it for themselves. That's what was beautiful. So when you're fasting, you're going for that bowl of ice cream and you go, Oh, (laughs) God. But I want you more. I want you more than that and you can't get there till you get through the Jonesing. But when you get through the Jonesing, you get there, you get there, and it's this, God honors it. He looks at you and he cannot help himself when he looks at you. He cannot help himself when he sees your denial of your flesh and your hunger and the natural instincts and intuitions, that you're denying yourself those things. God looks at you and he is so moved to his core like smelling a sweet incense, like a burning aroma, a sacrifice in your life. He cannot help himself. He's moved to be in your life in a powerful, spectacular way. And it, it is, just like you're saying, the most awesome moment of your life. But I'm going to tell you, the only time I made it through that 21 days was during a church group where we all got together at dinner time to worship together, and that was the only way I got through 21 days was when I got really hungry at dinner time, We were all together praying, and that's what got me through. I'm not saying we can all do that, but I'm just saying reach out to each other, right? Like,
4: yeah, yeah. hey, I'm hungry. Yeah, and one of, the, one of the things she brought out, it's, a lot of it's mental, right? A lot of it's mental. If you know the last day is on the 7th or whatever it is, if you know it's there, that's going to be your toughest day. That's going to be your toughest day. You're going to want to say, I'm going to go to the 8th. I'm supposed to go to the 8th. I'm supposed to go to the 8th. But you're going to want to say, I'm going to go to midnight on the 7th so I can eat. I asked my wife. That's what I said, I did my 21, but midnight came around. We were in the kitchen table eating, you know, and I had a list of foods that I wanted to eat. A list. And she says, You want to eat everything? And I said, Yeah. But she wasn't fasting, so she was the one that had her brain intact on, no, let's do soups. Let's do the things that are light. Not the things you want to eat, but what that would be give you a good start to get going. And that first day, then everything's back to normal. I mean, it's just, but uh, of course, take advantage of the fast in a lot of different ways. Write some stuff down. When you lose the weight, keep it off. Keep it off. I didn't, but. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best this time to keep it off. Do do what he has guided me. the Direction he's guided me to. Thank you with your words. That was great, great.
2: <laughs> you have no time to. So All right.
1: I gotta say something. I'm getting up to you all right Julie you know I love you and I know your heart and I am in full agreement with you but I got to address one thing you did say um, and we've had many good conversations so this is not anything I'm just I just gotta I have to I can't help it I was like sitting here going, I don't I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to but because I know your heart And I know this is right, and this isn't what you're trying to say, but I know this is what some people will hear. I know many people who have struggled with they fasted and not gotten what they were believing for, and it caused them to disbelieve and doubt because they didn't do it in a right way. And and this isn't what I'm correcting at all. I'm not trying to say that she said that right. You said this right. I want to point this out, because when you talked about how God is moved, God is moved by us when he sees us, our hunger and our suffering and all that stuff. And I understand what you're saying, yes, but I have to say no. God said, away with your sacrifices and your burnt offerings, for I have not desired them. They have not, they're not pleasing to me. I'm desiring a body that I can inhabit, is what he's saying and I, I understand what you're saying, but, wha- but here's the point I'm trying to make. And, and please love me and beat me up later, and you can grab the mic and rebuttal. I don't care. Or this isn't about right, wrong. It's just I really feel like I need to say this because fasting doesn't move God. And that's a religious phrase that we say, but I was taught my whole life fasting moves God. Fasting doesn't move God, and this goes right with what you were saying. We get in the box, not God. Fasting moves us out of the box. So we can begin to interact with God in a right way where God gets the flesh out. And this is what Julie was saying. When our flesh comes out and we detox, and it's not just the the cravings you'll find. You'll find things in your heart you did not even know was there because your flesh comes alive. And your flesh is at war with your spirit. And we say all this stuff religiously. Oh, our flesh is at war with our spirit, but this is another tradition that we have, but we don't actually fight the battle. And part of this, what they're trying to do is break our traditions and trying to get us to fight the battle in the right way because we fight the fight the wrong way. If you don't understand how to fight, you can't win. And we never fight the fight. What is the fight, though? Fasting doesn't move God. It doesn't matter how pitiful you are, how weak you are, how beat up you are, how, how bad you are. And the reason this is important is because people go, why, God, don't you see where I'm at? Don't you see? And he goes, yes, but I gave you my word. I gave you my spirit. I've given you everything you need. I need your faith. Faith is what moves God and actually doesn't move God. Faith moves us into what God has said or released for us faith is our positive response to what god has already done so when you fast fast in faith believing that that you are going to come out of this box and the holy spirit is going to speak something to you awesome why not why not and guess what if you fast and you don't have some big moment you didn't fail fasting doesn't move god fasting moves us fasting g- kills our flesh it gets rid of our heart motives it gets rid it, 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 listen you will find out you have anger issues you didn't even know about when you start fasting oh, i promise you you want to talk about the black turds i want to <laughs> talk about the black heart that we begin to comes out here and, and i don't want to make it gross but use your imagination we got blackness that comes both ways and this is true. So if you're fasting and all of a sudden you just can't help it, you're like, th- this, trust me, guys. Listen, I've been there. Oh, Lord, I worship you. I praise you. I worship you. I praise you. And for me, if I can get past the third day, I can make it the rest of my life, I think. The third day, man, I've, I've broke so many fasts on the third day. And I don't feel like I fail. I just go, ha, ah, dang it. All right, Lord. Well, praise the Lord. Next time around, I'm going to do this thing. And I've literally failed in my own tr- trying to fast 10, 15 times. I don't know. The third day, man. Why? Because Jesus rose again after the third day, baby. If you can make it, that's me. The third day, I feel like I rise again. But in that, the thing is, when you fast, it's, it's, your flesh goes, What do you mean? I'm in control. Your flesh says, I tell you what to do, I tell you when to do it, I tell you how to do it. And what we're doing is we're taking our will, because we're a three-part being, and I'm not going to go long, but we're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. And our, our, our body is our flesh suit, right? Our spirit is the part that the Holy Spirit inhabits inside of us, that's the real us, is our spirit man. Our, our, our soul, that the Bible calls our soul, is our mind, will, emotions, thoughts and feelings all coming together to make up it's also called the heart of man it's our soul it's our our heart when we say oh god knows my heart right we're talking about our mind will emotions thoughts and feelings and what usually happens is there's there's always if you will a vote going on in our lives everything we do every decision everything we do either acknowledges god and glorifies him or it tears him down and that's the truth. And what everything we do is a vote. Our flesh votes one way. The spirit votes another. Our mind, will, emotions, thoughts, and feelings make the determining, deciding vote. We choose to go obey the flesh, it brings death. We choose to obey the spirit, it brings life. How do I know? The scripture says it in many places. Romans 8, 6. What's it say, Julie? I know you know it. The mindset, yep, the mindset on the flesh is death, the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. I know she knows it because I've had her quote it to me twice. Yeah. No, you were great. I'm not trying to like, I love you. you. I hope you know that because... I know your heart we've talked. I just don't want somebody to hear it and go, I'm in a bad situation. I'm gonna get in a I'm gonna physically get in a worse situation so God'll move. Because that'll probably maybe just get you in a bad spot. And I know that's not what you were saying. At all. But I wanted to bring just clarity because I know your heart in this and I know it's right. But if somebody hears that, it can reinforce what religion has already taught you. Because I know for me, I grew up and I was told again and again and again, if I will just look pathetic enough and get, you know what I'm saying? And so it's exactly what Jesus told us not to do. And that's not what she was saying. But I was taught this. So then I hear that word and I go, okay, hold on, hold on. I, I don't want anyone else in here to here because, again, I know and I hope we are good because I do love you and I do know your heart. But, no, it's just uncomfortable to do this, right? I don't want to say it and make it weird. But... But fasting is powerful. Fasting is amazing. And fasting is one of those traditions that we, the church lost, along with a lot of other things. I mean, I'm not going to say anything else about it, because today my leagues were, I could go on hours about things that we do that we shouldn't do and things we don't do that we should do. And, and the whole thing that was summed up when Julie first said, it's all about your heart. And I was like, boom, everything I wanted to say was just said in an easy, simple phrase. It's about our hearts, God. We fast because we're hungry for God. We're more hungry for God's will, God's purpose, and God's presence in our lives in a real way than we are for actual food. If we literally say, God, you're our source, I depend on you, we're making it so in a real way. Because the truth is if we don't eat long enough, we will die. 21 days won't kill anybody. Well, I mean, it could, but come on. It's not going to kill you. But... We're saying, I value what God has for me even more than my necessary food. Fasting is important. Fasting is amazing. But if you fast, let me finish this thought I opened, and you don't have, if you fast and you have some revelation, praise the Lord, hallelujah, you'll be excited to fast again. If you fast and you don't have this moment don't feel like you failed because the purpose of fasting is to break your flesh to break the control of fear and the flesh and everything that comes through the flesh to break that if you fast for 21 days and you don't have a a lightning bolt moment i promise you you're breaking your flesh and your faith will ignite you will come to a whole new level we don't fast because we're going to get a goosebump. we fast to get out of the box so that we can hear god clearly and I also know this out of personal experience. And then I will be quiet. Is I see, you'll hear me say this a lot because it's important. It's seed, not seed time and harvest. Seed, time, and harvest. See, we want to fast for a day and lightning bolts to strike and angels to sing and just to have some vision. I do too. That's how I know we want to do this because I want to do it too. I want, but. It doesn't always happen. I've fasted, and I've had God speak and reveal. I've also fasted and not had a big lightning bolt, but I've also had a few months later a situation will arise, and I'll have power that I didn't before in that situation. And when it happens, I go, whoa. That's because I fasted three months ago, and I'm telling you, I know it. And there's time. So if you fast, you're not wasting time, even if you don't have it. So just don't feel because sometimes people are like, Oh, I didn't. You may hear testimonies. If everybody fasted for 21 days, half the people in here would have some testimony about. I was on my living room floor, and this is what I saw. This is what I heard. And praise the Lord! But if you didn't, you'd feel here and go, "I failed. I didn't do it right. God doesn't love me," and that would be wrong on every account. Tiffany already talked about it: trusting God and believing Him, being expected without expectations. I want to say it right. And and this is true here too, guys. Fast expecting, but I would I can promise you you can have faith that your fast will bring you closer to God as long as you do what our brother told us and you you've put your mind on him during your fast. Because I've also fasted and I just lost some weight. <laughs> Because I got so busy that I didn't focus on God. And then I thought, why am I fasting if I'm not going to focus on him? And I went to Burger King and ate a double Whopper. This is the truth. <laughs> I should have said I'm going to focus on him. But I also knew I was in the middle of a job that I, I had to do what I had to do. And I had the next three days of that. And I said, you know what? Uh, and, and you can go, oh, well, guess what? When I had time, I went back and fasted for all those that are judging me. But that time, I'm being honest with you. I said, I'm not even focusing on God. All I'm doing is being hungry and suffering. I'm not giving him the right time. I'm fasting because I told people I'd fast with them, and then I'm not giving God. So I said, Burger King. And that's a whole other topic. That's that black stuff we don't need to talk about anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that's because it it gets rid of unbelief. Yeah. But I can't talk more. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Love you, Julie.
2: I came up here. I wrote this down. I came up here to say, fasting isn't trying to get something from God, but rather seeking to align our hearts with his. And so I think Tim said that very well, um, that we all understand that, listen, we don't, we're don't. we not crucifying or, or killing our flesh, by guys, to try to get something from God. And we know that. Um, but this is going to be the beginning of, that walk to Emmaus, are you, do you really mean it when you say that you want everything that God has? And um, so we're inviting our family into this as a whole. We've never done it before, because there's so many things that we've never done as a group. And we're going to walk this out and see what we can do better. But um, the last thing I want to say is, ask the Lord what you should do. Ask him. Don't just do it because we're doing it, like Tim said. Is the Lord calling you into this? What is he saying? And he will fulfill that through you. Okay. All right. So um, we're not going to play the video. Uh, t- we're not going to play the video. But we are, you guys all heard that we're starting a house of prayer. That's the first day is February what? Third? Fourth. Which one? Third? Third. Thanks. February 3rd. Um, we'll play the video next week. But um, we. if you guys want to give, oh, there we go. Here's his, He had to throw that up there. Um, If you guys want to give, you can give through PayPal, Venmo, or the box up front, and I think that that's really it. We don't have a ton of announcements, so Um, are we good? Anything else? All right, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for the desire within us that you've placed, God. This is you that's done it to want to walk on this road with you. to God, for, for us to say, God, we are so expectant, but we don't have any expectations on you, God. You get to do what you want to do. Come what may, Father. We love you. We're looking at you. We're following you. Which way are you going, Jesus? We have our whole hearts. We love you, Lord. Amen.
0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Lyric House Church podcast. We hope this message blessed you, and we encourage you to share with your family and friends. Remember, the gospel is good news, and good news is worth sharing. If you want to get involved or see what's happening next, make sure to follow us on social media. Until next week, we love you, and God bless.